You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trophy Horse's episode 478 of the show. And Yield, I really, really hope that you and I do better as a team podcasting tonight than we did with Rocket League on Thursday in our two-on-two matches. We we did great with Gareth there. We went undefeated uh, with you, me, and Gareth. But once we get to the two-on-two, you and I, we kind of struggle despite all our experience. Yeah, we it, it just wasn't clicking. I don't know what it is about two-on-two. Two. I mean, we can win games, but we also just have, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why we struggle. Again, like, if you play one-on-one or two-on-two, two, it's much different than the three-on-three three or four-before. Four-before is just chaos, which, as the name would imply, chaos. But, like, it's such a different style of game. You think, oh, it's just all the same game. It's soccer with cars. But, the like, the, the strategy within the two-on-two two and the three-on-three three is completely different. Oh yeah, it is. You you really got to be careful of of the ball getting over your head. Well, and if your team doesn't have total control of the ball, you you just have to be a lot more careful about when you leave goal because it's almost like probably for about I'd say seventy five percent of the match you got to have somebody back in goal. Yeah, or at least ready to retreat. Well, last week we had we had Donnie on with us, and again we want to thank Donnie for coming on short notice and helping us out. Little uh, note here. Levi is not here with us this week. He will be next uh, on the show next week with us. Hopefully, Tricky will be back as well. But it, Levi will be here next week to give an update on the monthly scores for the Be Legit. We can see if Ponder Stibbins has closed in on Corey's lead there. Um, but yeah. So, just want to give that little update just in case you were, were wondering. Because I'm pretty sure I uh, was dangling the carrot in front of everyone's face last week saying oh levi's gonna be here next week but hopefully we can have levi and tricky on next week because that's that's always a recipe for not disaster is is levi and tricky on a show together (laughs) this will be fun oh well yield sir i guess as we always do it's time to update our trophy trophy counts i did pretty good well, if you're if you're so damn proud of yourself, sir, why don't you share the word here? Why don't you spread the good word? So I am uh, four forty six with a trophy count of seven three three six and a plat count of one twenty four. I got a new one. Oh, just one new one. I thought you had no, a couple new actually, ones. Actually, actually, I got two new ones. I did. You you're sitting here bragging, and it's not. It's even better than you thought it's it was. Even better than I thought it was. All right, sir, out, spill it, spill the beans. So we were here together, finished that off, and uh, destroy all humans too. Wait, did you get we were here together last maybe, week? Maybe I got that last week. So maybe I did only get one this week. It was destroy all humans too. Okay, and your, your thoughts on destroy all humans too, kind of as a, as a game, like, those are those seem to be cult classics. They continue to try to sell us on, like, every time there's a PSN sale, I feel like one of the destroy all human games is on sale. And honestly... It's it's kind of funny, but also really awesome that that those two games have survived as long as they have. Because you know, 
back, like I said, they're kind of cult classics, but they've survived since the PS2 era, and they continue, to, you know, to be sold. So, when I first played Destroyed All Humans, and the Pandemic logo comes up, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome, because I the Pandemic games I've played, I love them all. So, Neil say I love Destroy All Humans 1 and 2. Uh, the second one started off a little slow. I was like, oh, I think I like the second one, or the first one, better. But then once we kind of got going, there there's a lot of pop culture references back, you know, like when we were growing up. There's little nods here, little jokes there, and it's it's just fun. Well, when you, ha- I mean, like in a game like that, when you have aliens literally trying to, you know, destroy people or shoot them with, you know, wacky guns, you gotta have those little pop culture references in there because they just fit so well within that concept. Oh, yeah, and it takes place, second one takes place kind of in the 60s, 70s, so you've got the hippies, and you're traveling the world, you know, you're going over to to England and Russia, so you got the whole conflict with Russia and the U.S. And in, in, in short, it'll be the closest thing we ever get to a Mars Attacks video game. Prob- probably, but it, it, it was just great. There, there, there's there's James Bond jokes and all kinds of, you know, just pop culture references from that era and stuff like that that just make you kind of just chuckle and, wow, they went there. So, it was it was, it was was fun. I, I can't believe I didn't play it the first time around. Well, all that matters is that you played it in the end and you got, you got two Platinums out of it and it seems like you enjoyed the game. So, it's not it's not when you play them, it's just the fact that you do play them. Yes. Alright, so Tricky, who again should hopefully be joining us next week, because we all know that you miss you everyone misses Tricky Mick. He actually put in the show notes last week and I forgot to read it. He says, I miss you all, and then he also said in parentheses, even Donnie. So hopefully Donnie has listened to this and he gets that little shout out from Tricky. Tricky is level six hundred and seven with a total trophy count of thirteen thousand nine hundred and fifty seven total trophies. I think I think I said total trophies way too much there. And a platinum count of 255. I am level 443. Total trophies of 7,308, which is an addition of two trophies to my count from last week. But the important thing is I added a platinum trophy. Platinum's count is at 112 platinums in 111 games. And I know what you're going to do, Yield. Well, you may not ask me because you know exactly what game I got a platinum in. Spirit of the North. I did. I did. A, after we we went off the call last week, I did a little bit of editing on the show, but I give it, given the fact that I had to edit last week's show, I knew I wasn't going to be able to platinum Spirit of the North within the next couple days, and I only had one more trophy to go, so I popped it on late at night, went through the spirit world, met up with all the, the my kindred spirits, and, and got the platinum. So, again, really enjoyable game. I, I'm a, a, I'm definitely a huge fan of Spirit of the North, and I know you are as well. So if anyone's yes. listening to this and you haven't tried Spirit of the North, pick get it up. at least at, yeah, pick it up. At least go look go look at a video or something. It's a great game. And, it is. Uh, so, I, I I also picked up a game. You might be. I'll let you know about it when I play it. It was on sale. I think the sale ended on the 29th. ninth. Um, I picked up uh, the first tree. Okay. And, su- and supposedly you play as a fox. Oof. But the co- but the concept of it sounded really good because it was something about uh, a fox looking for her cubs and uh, a guy going going back to reunite with his father and somehow the stories intertwine and there's something in in the legend of a first tree 
so somehow the stories intertwine together, and I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting, and it was on sale for like two bucks, and That's, I'm like, all right, I'll give this a whirl. Two bucks is not a big hurdle to jump over, and it seems like, you know, a game that's very nature-based, and Fox is very, very much mixed in with nature, and like, you know, the, the that, like, you know, Spear of the North, like, kind of like spiritual creatures within nature, so, yeah, makes sense. I will say, here's a fun fact that nobody asked me to share on a podcast. The most pissed I got in Ghost of Tsushima was there was a, a mission where some of the invading forces killed a fox, and I went fucking ballistic. That was the one thing that tipped me over the edge, is them hurting a fox, and my god, did I... I go, I went kick some ass shield, I beat the shit out of some Mongol invaders. You know, as I did for most of the game, but in that particular situation, I had a little more fire, a little more gusto in my voice. A little more gusto behind my blade. Dead men tell no tales. Yeah, those those invaders aren't telling any more tales, because I kicked the shit out of them. Sliced him down real good. Uh, last but not least on our trophy count, we have Sid. Sitting at level 515, total trophy count of 10,295, with a platinum count of 176. You know, even though Sid has slowed down on his trophies, he's still way ahead of me and you, which kind of just shows how fast he jumped out of the gate. And Oh, yeah. Probably he, why he got a little burnt out collecting the trophies. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for Tricky trying to in- inflate his plat, plat count, I, I still think that... Uh, Sid would be way ahead of everybody. Well, at least uh, the the four of us in this group, not not CJ necessarily. Well, no, yeah, I I don't know who's catching CJ, but all right. Well, yield. Yes, we've given little intros into what we've been playing this week. You know, we know we got some new platinums. I played a little bit of Spirit of the North. You played some uh, Destroy All Humans too. What what else have you been up to this week in the realm of video games? So, Destroy All Humans 2, obviously. I've been playing uh, World of Warship Legends. It was It's doubloon week. So I've been making sure to get my doubloons. Um, and also, uh, been diving back into Enemy Front. Uh, it was a game, one of the last games I picked up on the 3. Uh, started playing it, walked so, away. So maybe this whole, this whole PlayStation 3 store nonsense, the stories of it closing and then not closing... Maybe that drew you back to the three. Maybe that, maybe that's brilliant marketing on Sony once again. Could could be. Well, what drew me back to it was I was on PSN profiles first of the year. I forget what I was doing. Anyway, I saw that looking looking at uh, trophy counts. Well, probably. that I mean, I was doing that, but there was there was a specific reason, and I don't remember the reason. Can I but can I, I can I make a guess? Sure. So my guess is that you really didn't have a game to play at that point. And I, and I can guess this because this is what I have done in the past, is when you don't have something to play, you go back on your trophy list and you're like, you know, can I mop up any trophies? Is there any platinum trophies I'm missing that I can go back and get? And I guarantee you were surfing through your trophy list looking for a game to platinum. That that could very well be. But it, it did. Uh, I saw some people were looking for Enemy Front multiplayer to boost. And I was like, wow, that's... The servers are still up for that game. So, threw my name into the hat, started boosting the in, the multiplayer, got it done. And I was like, you know what? Let's just kind of keep working on the single player. So, I've gotten back into that. So, that's my other game I've been playing. So, yeah. And as always during this segment, I want to mention, if you're a fan of Rocket League, 
jump on twitch.tv slash provengamer.com or yeah, twitch.tv slash provengamer. Didn't need the .com there. Don't know why I added it. But every Thursday night at 7 p.m. to join us for our Rocket League Thursday streams. Usually me, Homer, Yield, Riley might be there. We had Gareth this week, so we got a good crew. So come watch us play some Rocket League on Thursdays. Twitch.tv slash provengamer. You know, even if we aren't always winning, which, you know, we win a fair amount of the time, but even if we aren't always winning, we'll always try to be entertaining. But That is definitely that. Well, Yield, it seems like you've played a whole hell of a lot more PlayStation than I had this week, because aside from my last foray into spirit of the north and i actually i want to i took a bunch of screenshots while playing that game and i want to put those on the internet as in the in the trophy horse chat this week i want to just share an album of all my my photos from that game because like i said and, and you said as well you back me up on this it's a really beautiful game so i, I oh, want to share some of those and i want to get in the habit of doing that more of you know going through a game and just sharing with people my experience in pictures you know what i thought was interesting you know share some cool photography show some great contacts maybe like have some really awesome battles in there so i'd like to do that more often i've done it in the past with horizon and the last of us and god of war but i want to start doing it a little more so i think the next thing i want to do that with is spirit of the north and you know speaking of photography most of my other gameplay this week besides the rocket league i've been i've been stretching my photography muscles yield i've been going out in the into you know parks and the jungle and i've been taking all these pictures of these strange creatures oh yeah I mean, in a way, yeah, from my living room, because I I got off work at about 5.30, 6 o'clock on Saturday morning, and I went to Walmart, sat in the parking lot for a bit, and waited for them to open, and it opened, I went in, and I bought myself a copy of Pokemon Snap. And this is a tip for anyone who, you know, I hate to say this, doesn't want to pay full price for games, but... If you're looking for a little bit of a deal on games, Walmart sells games for 10 brand new games for $10 cheaper. So I was able to pick up Pokemon for $50 instead of 60. But yeah, I've been playing Pokemon Snap. And obviously this is not a Nintendo podcast, so I won't go too much into it. But it's it's the Pokemon game I really want to play right now. If you if you played the original Pokemon Snap and you want more of that, but with with deeper gameplay and more Pokemon and just a, a, a richer experience, you know. But yet you still are okay with like the on-rails photography aspect of it. It's a really fun game. I really enjoy it. And the whole aspect of, you know, online leaderboards and being able to go through courses again and different variations on courses and trying to get better and better pictures of the Pokemon, you know, get better ratings for for your pictures. Mm, I love it. It's it's kind of the exact game I need right now, especially I, I want to jump back in the world of Pokemon, but the mainline games that kind of got me down because the whole battling aspect and the catching aspect, like it, there's so much tedium in those games. But Pokemon Snap is, new Pokemon Snap, I should say, is perfect for me right now. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Although, again, maybe I just enjoy photography more than most people, considering that, you know, my first thought when I see something really pretty in, in like, a PlayStation game is like, oh, share button. Oh, save that. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, you know, talking about new releases, we can't talk new releases on a PlayStation podcast without talking about Housemarque's Returnal. And Yield, I don't know if you've been checking, because as much as I don't want to get into critical reviews or don't want to base my person, purchasing decisions on those, I am, I, you know, I went to Metacritic and I was looking to see how Returnal launched, and I'm really happy to say that Returnal has launched to really positive reviews. It's got, out of 89 critical reviews so far, it's got an 86 on Metacritic. and That's awesome! That is really good to hear for Housemark because as we know, Housemark, you know, they did more of the arcade style games in the past. And they kind of gave that up because they 
in their own quotes like said or in their you know quoting them they said that arcade is dead so it is really good to see that this is a huge risk for them to do this and for sony you know to they they've got a really good partnership with housemark but housemark you know jumping to a game like this from what they were doing it's a huge risk so you know good for sony and and good for housemark and it seems like critically it's paying off for them hopefully the the financial returns on it are great and we can see returnal 2 or whatever housemark wants to do for the next project whatever they want to, if they want to take that money and fuel a new ip or something that's great too but yeah i was really glad to see that it, it's gotten off to a good start and i definitely plan to buy returnal when it comes when i finally am able to lock down a ps5 yield is this is are the critical reviews the very positive critical reviews for this game so far are, are they pushing you any more in that direction of playing it because the gameplay looks solid i'm watching some of it right now i you know i don't know i mean it's it, it's good that it's getting those reviews. It, it would help sway some people. Me, I just don't know yet. I, I don't think I've seen anything from it that has been like, yeah, that's something I, I want to play. Well, I, I got to say for Game of Thrones fans, I'm, I'm looking at a, a screenshot of the protagonist from the game Returnal, and uh, I'm getting a lot of Brianna Tarth vibes. Uh, one of my favorite characters from Game of Thrones, a true badass, uh, a knight of the realm. So, yeah, when I just look at the main character from Eternal, I see Brienne of Tarth, which is, uh, if you want to talk about a badass protagonist, she could be a badass protagonist in any world, not just in Westeros. But one of the things that actually has been brought up about Returnal is the fact that it's a pretty hard game, uh, it being somewhat of a, ro- a roguelike and all. So this article comes from IGN.com. It's by Rebecca Valentine. Uh, the title of the article is Returnal Director Says Difficulty is Integral Part of Housemark's Philosophy. So, in regards to, uh, during an interview on uh, Next Gen Console Watch, which is also a part of IGN's Empire, uh, Game Director Harry Kruger and Business Development Director uh, Mikhail Haveri were kind of talking about some of the challenges around ha- surrounding Housemark, or not ha- not Housemark, but uh, some of the, the challenges that stem from um, during the process of making Returnal, but also some of the the cries that the difficulty is just a little bit too hard. Uh, quote: We started development four years ago, and I don't think the vision has changed that much. Housemark games are known for their, let's say, challenge. There's usually a difficulty to them. Haveri said. Next, next Machina, or Next Machina, for example, you could go through the game on easy, but you'll never get to the last level, and then there's other unlockables and so on. So there's easy to learn, but hard to master mentality at work there. Kruger agreed, quote, without a challenge, we don't feel like you can have that strong sense of accomplishment, you know? The closer on the verge of frustration you get, the bigger the feeling of triumph when you eventually prevail. He added that when Returnal does have more traditional difficulty options, that while Returnal does have more traditional difficulty options, Housemark wanted players to feel every new run is was completely unique. Hence the roguelike formula, which allowed for a lot of unpredictable swings and how a session might play out even with difficulty options in place. Quote, so as we were saying before, if you take one too many gambles, you get a little bit overconfident, you might end up digging your own grave, so to speak, Kruger concluded. But if you play a little bit more conservatively, try to play it safe, you kind of tune the difficulty of that particular session to your desired skill level. So we're hoping that you can act as a bit of a pressure valve for the times that you hit an impassable obstacle. Next time you try them, there will always be something a little bit different, something that gives you a little bit more of an edge so you can overcome that next time, end quote. And yes, I will agree that Housemark games tend to be a little bit more difficult. Outland is a game, uh, 
an Ikaruga style platformer that I've trumpeted many, many times here on the show. I love that game. If you've never played it, it's on the PS3. Of course, the PS3 stores are staying open, so you can buy it now and for the foreseeable future. So if you haven't played Outland, please go check it out. And then, you know, it not difficult at times, but I wouldn't call it, you know, a, overall a particularly difficult game. But one game that does fit into the Housemark style of, of, you know, the philosophy of games should be challenging and rewarding is Resogun. Because that was a game that was very challenging. You got tons of enemies on screen coming to you both both sides, you know, smaller enemies, bigger enemies. And that game was extremely challenging. I ended up getting the platinum from it. And I will agree that for all the struggles that I've I've facing that game getting that platinum was immensely satisfying probably one of the most immensely satisfying playstation 4 platinums i have and i i never expected to get it because it was that it was that hard so yield. yeah i i don't think i'm getting that one i've well, tried yield you've got you've got the split second platinum and i know that you know i mean different style of game but i would figure that i i don't i'm not saying like i don't think that my skill level of video games is so much higher than yours that i could step into the world of resogun and you know Maybe I just had a little bit more fortitude, a little bit more drive when it comes to that game. I don't know. Like, you you asked me about the Crash Bandicoot trilogy, the Insane trilogy, and how hard those Platinums were. And I told you, I, I you know, I got them. They're, they're doable. They're not as hard as Crash 4. They're, they're challenging, and you'll get frustrated, but you could definitely do them with some effort. And I feel okay. like if it's, you know, if, if I can get a Platinum trophy, I feel like you have enough skill to get a Platinum trophy, too. All right. Well, thank you. Um, I was, I plan on kind of maybe going back and giving Resogun another try. Uh, I know I gave it a whirl and played it, and first couple of levels, you're like, oh, this ain't so bad, and then all of a sudden, it was like I got smacked around, and I was just, I think at that time, I just wasn't in the mood to get smacked around, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go play something else. Yeah, but I mean, like, how do you feel about difficulty in games? Because for me, there are games like Donkey Kong Country Returns, or the entire Donkey Kong Country series as a whole, that, you know, they are extremely rewarding games. Like, I, I feel like I that's one of the games that does really well with a balance between difficulty and, like, frustration. Because even though you can die hundreds of times, like, I'm always pushed myself, you know, past that. And I've never felt myself getting so angry at the game that I want to throw a controller, getting so angry at the situation that I want to, you know, flip out. I've just kept pushing forward because there's that really good balance between that challenge and, you know, being able to manage my emotions and the reward at the end. So there you know you could definitely tip the scales of you know something like bloodborne being way too frustrating you know for me to ever want to play another one of those style games but you definitely have to have it where there there's challenge there and it's not you know just a cakewalk well you don't want it to be a cakewalk um difficulty in games uh i'm like 50 50 you know sometimes i don't mind the challenge i i, I enjoy it uh other times i get mad more more bad at myself on games like that because I know what I need to do and a lot of times my brain and hand don't communicate well so I end up making kind of the same stupid mistake and I get I get I get more mad at myself than I do at the game because I know what I need to do and or how to do it if, if you get what I'm saying it's it's a fine line to walk there's like I said there's a balance there like, looking back on Crash Team Racing, like, there were times when I was so pissed at doing some of those Oxide time trials that I, I was like, fuck this game, F absolutely fuck this game. But <laughs> looking back on it, having the Platinum, I, I you know, it's like, oh, that was that was no sweat. Like, I'm, I'm so glad that I, I persevered and I got that Platinum because that is a Platinum I can point to and say, I'm, I'm super proud of this. So, you know, I... 
people have been, you know, calling out Returnal as particularly difficult, but one, that's a roguelike. The roguelikes tend to be difficult, so you ought to kind of expect that going in. That's like picking up a Demon Souls game or a Dark Souls game and being like, this this is too hard. Um, I know that I used Bloodborne as an example earlier, but I had never played one of those games before, so I wasn't exactly sure what I was getting into. But that's, you know, like, that's like playing a Dark Souls game and then picking up the next one and be like, fuck, this game is hard. I What? So, I mean, you kind of have to know what to expect. Um, but I'm glad also that Housemark, despite shifting their strategy from more arcade-style games to something like Returnal, that they have stuck to their guns and they're like, we make challenging games, and regardless of whether or not you like it, we're going to make a quality game. It's going to be challenging, but you're going to get a payoff when it comes to, you know, the that moment when you finally get or jump over that hurdle and you're like, oh my god, yes, thank god, I feel so good about that. I feel, you know, I... I tested my skills and I came out on top because I'm I'm good at this. I can do this. I have successfully overcome this challenge and I and I'm excited as hell about that. So, I I'm glad they stuck to their guns. Although, like oh you, yeah, like you said, I I think there is a fine line that you know sometimes video game developers they find tr- they find they can't find that balance. But there you know there are some studios and you can tell in the quality of their games that you know someone like Housemark has been honing that for a while. That you know this is not their first game and. If you come, you, if you come from a background of playing Housemark games and the arcades, the arcadey style of games, it's you know what you're getting into. You know it's it's you pair that that the arcade style with kind of something like a roguelike, and if if you're expecting you know just to breeze through there like a walk in the park, you sir or madame are a fool. So good good for Housemark for sticking by their guns, and also like I said, I'm I'm really happy that this game is getting has had a strong crit- critical reception because. I'm a big fan of House Mark, and I think they deserve it. Just a few more tidbits from this article on IGN by Rebecca Valentine. Uh, just to give you, if you're not sure, if you're new to the podcast or you're, you know, you're just diving into the PlayStation universe with your PlayStation 5, I'll give you a little synopsis here from the article about what Returnal is about. Uh, taking straight from the article, Returnal follows the story of space explorer Celine Vassos, who crash lands on an alien planet and begins searching for the source of a strange signal. However, when she inevitably dies on her first expedition, she's returned to her ship as if nothing has ever happened. She, As she continues to explore the planet, Celine discovers that each failed expedition results in her being looped back to the beginning as the world shifts around her. So, a pretty cool concept, and just, you know, for all like the, the sci-fi shoot-em-ups we've seen in the past, nothing quite like Returnal. And and I just love how the name the name Returnal plays into that. So they uh Housemark got me from the start on this one. Although uh one particular note to make on this game is that uh Rebecca notes that there are certain times during the game, uh runs of two to three hours where you may not be able to save. So keep that in mind when you're playing the game. And also I'm sure that that lends into the difficulty, the less you can save. And the the more chances you have to die, obviously that's going to make the the entire world a little bit more difficult to traverse. So it, it definitely adds to the intensity. Yeah, and, and and I'm sure that that's that's part of Housemark's strategy of you don't get to save as much, so it's going to be more difficult. But at least it's not as bad as Dead Space 2's Heart to the Core, where you got to save what a total of three times during the game. My God, just just why don't you go ahead and tell me on screen? Don't even try this; you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> And Sony popping off with a brand new game, Returnal, a brand new IP, thanks to, brought to you by Housemark. But at the beginning of May here, if you're not necessarily into Returnal, there are, of course, brand new games free for PlayStation Plus for you to download. Now, hopefully by the time you've listened to this, you have downloaded the games for April. Because Which I have. 
my I I went and did that last week after my PSA to everyone else. I went ahead and, and downloaded them. But the new lineup for April for May looks pretty solid as well. Uh, the three games included this month for the PlayStation Five. We get Wreckfest. Woohoo! I'll be playing that again when I get my PS5. Yeah, it's Wreckfest Drive Hard Die Last. Is that just a is that just a, a, a the same game but with a new like name, a new title for or I guess you say expanded title for the PlayStation 5 version? It's the same game, right? You'll I I believe so. Un- unless the Drive Hard Drive Hard Die Last maybe it adds in the two season passes, I don't know. Which the season passes were just cars and cosmetic stuff. Okay. So yeah, for PS5, you're essentially getting Wreckfest. And then for PS4, Battlefield 5 game. and Stranded Deep are the, the games on offer for the PlayStation 4. And I'm not exact Battlefield 4, or Battlefield 5 kind of speaks for itself. We know what EA's offering there. But Stranded Deep, uh, the imagery, the at least the, the picture they use for PlayStation Plus, is a guy trying in a raft, like a rescue raft, trying to harpoon a like an octopus or a squid or something below him. So, obviously, this is a uh, another. Here, 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 I'm I'm watching the trailer because I had no idea what this game was about. Now that I'm seeing it, I think I might have watched it on the PlayStation Store once. But so so you're stranded on a desert island. Looks like you can build a fort, weapons. All right, well, here, you'll, while, you're, while, while you're watching that, and you can give your overall thoughts once you're done. Uh, this is from the PlayStation blog. A little su- synopsis here on Stranded Deep. Test your survival skills in this open-world adventure. In the aftermath of a serious plane crash, you are stranded in the vast expanse Release the Kraken. of the Pacific Ocean, alone without any means to call for help. You must do what you can to survive. Explore underwater and on land as you hunt for supplies to craft tools, weapons, and shelters you'll need to stay alive. Stay sharp. Hunger, thirst, and exposure conspire against you as you brave treacherous elements and the dangerous creatures of the Pacific. And one of the first pictures you see, or at least the first picture you see on the PlayStation blog in the trailer, is you are rafting towards a a small island, and there is a shark in your path. So obviously you're going to have to deal with sharks and other creatures of the deep, octopi. Or octopus. It's octopus as well. Hold on. Before we go any further, octopi is not the correct plural. It is octopuses. Octopuses. That is the correct plural. Wanted to to get that out there before anyone called me out. I I think the one they showed was a giant squid. That's why I was like, release the kraken! Okay. Yes. The the tentacles in the picture would suggest something much larger than a regular octopus. But... So, um... And we should mention it it is first person. So, the, the terror of dealing with sharks is much worse in first person. Absolutely. Um... Probably a game that I'll get my butt kicked because it's survival. But from what I saw, it looks intriguing because, like I said, so you're on an island. You got to cut down trees. It showed like you building a hut. You can even go up to a two story or whatever fort. Um, guy had like a trophy room in his fort or whatever, and he had like 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 an eyeball from a shark or whatever. Another one had That's, a shark head. That is extremely meta for so, for playing that game on the PlayStation and having. Not only digital trophies you earn by playing the game, but also trophies within the game to display. With, like, yeah, yeah, I killed this animal. Yeah, so it, it looked like eventually you could build different rafts. They had a, uh, I don't know what to call it, uh, a little helicopter on three wheels. Well, well, here's the thing, Yield. Those displaying those trophies in your house, like usually you just spray, like you have decorative items in your house. Yeah, sometimes it's for yourself. 
But also, like, you, for when people come over, you want your house to look nice. Obviously, this guy wants his fort to look nice with the remains of murdered animals. But who is he displaying these for? Is it just for himself, or is, you know, he expecting company later? I, you know, who knows? But, but there's, there, there's a shark head. It looks like, uh, maybe a big eel. I don't know. It's, but it's definitely not a shark. And then the one he places in there is a giant eyeball, which I'm going to say, think was probably from the giant squid. How, how the, how the fuck is he getting a shark to land? Like he has no help. How's he getting another shark to land? I mean, I, mean, I guess maybe I guess, tying I guess it to, we'll have to... I guess we'll have to play the game. Maybe tying it to his raft and then... And just rowing ashore. Rowing, I, I guess, but man, getting getting the killing a, a shark, get it, just getting it to shore and then cutting its head off to display it is an impressive feat. But we can all find that out this, this month, and as you... By, by the time you hear this, all these games will be available for free on PlayStation Plus. That's again, Wreckfest for the PS5, and then for PS4, Battlefield Five and Stranded Deep. So I will be picking up, well, I'll definitely be putting Wreckfest in my download list. I don't know about Battlefield Five. I love me some World War II, but I I just don't know. Massive multiplayers. I, I, I do World of Warships, and even that's kind of, I just, I just don't know. But Stranded Deep, after seeing the trailer again, and I get it for free, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to give it a whirl. Probably get my butt kicked, because I don't really entirely play survival games very well, but I'm gonna try. I mean, at least at least put it in your library. It's it's you know it's free. It's free. I mean it may it may it may bug you if you earn a trophy and then you you're suck at the game. It's like, God, do I just go on without I'm telling you though, Wreckfest man, put it on your download list. Well yeah, if you if you don't own a PS five yet, reminder you can uh Go onto your computer or I guess your phone as well. Just go to the PlayStation Store and you can sign in, sign in, in your download list or add it, just add it to your game library. So even if yep. you don't have a PS5, you can at the same time all the while be picking up all these free games on the on the PlayStation 5 so that you can download them when you actually get one. Whatever Absolutely. that might be. But yeah, Wreckfest definitely was fun the first time around. I will definitely put it on my five and play through it again. Happily play through it again yeah well yield talking about games we may want to play in the future i'm pretty sure that i i never i just never want to play a cd project red game um yes for for some reason there is still things to talk about when it comes to cd project red and cyberpunk 2077 Yield, did you did you read this article or are you as kind of like red hot about this as i am no i just saw the, the title and rolled my eyes so so you would expect, like, when bonuses roll out for companies, that the higher-ups would certainly get a much larger share of the pie than the people below, just the regular employees. That's that. I mean, it, when you see how much people at the top make, it's kind of in, in the, the, some of the bigger bonuses they give themselves. It it can be infuriating, yes, but by now in in our society, we have come to kind of expect that. But even with the shitty launch, the awful launch of and not in terms of sales yes they made they sold a shit ton of copies of cd or uh, cyberpunk 27 but just the botched launch the botched launch of a game that they should not have put out for the playstation 4 xbox one yet it seems like the uh the the higher ups at cd uh, CD project red are getting big bonuses you know i i I hope 
that they turn around and take some of this money and use it to fix the game. Well, apparently they've put out three. Pa- they're still not on the play on the PlayStation Store, <laughs> but they have put out three patches. I think I've read. I guess it was in April. They put out three patches for the game in April alone. So, um, all right. So this article is on Bloomberg.com. It comes from Jason Schreier, formerly of Kotaku. The title is Cyberpunk Manager Still Win Big Bonuses. God, I have to start that again because that was terrible spacing there. Cyberpunk Manager Still Win Big Bonuses. Oh my God, what am I doing here? Where is my ability to read? So, sorry, for anyone wondering, the headline rolls to a second second line, so that's what's fucking me up. Cyberpunk managers still win big bonuses after shoddy game launch. I I wish Tricky could insert some, some claps there, an audience clapping, just for me to be able to get through what I just had to go through. Alright, so, uh, in the article from their latest financial report... Jason kind of breaks down how some of the extra money uh, within the company is going to be shared. Uh, Yet Invinsky a, and co-CEO Adam Kaczynski, I don't want to say Kaczynski because that's obviously, we, we, we've heard enough of that name here in the United States. Um, but Adam Kaczynski, Kaczynski, there you, there you go. Adam Kaczynski are each slated to receive a bonus of 24 million zloty or $6.3 million uh, equivalent. According to the company's annual report, Adam Badowski, a board member and the director of Cyberpunk 2077, will take home $4.2 million. Uh, These bonuses are part of an annual profit-sharing plan, are based on the company's 2020 net earnings, which jumped more than 500%. Of course, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Cyberpunk sold over 13 million copies within the first month. Uh, Jason writes, let's break down the numbers of CD Projekt Red's annual earnings. 20%, uh, let's break down the numbers of CD Projekt Red, CD Projekt Red, CD Projekt's annual earnings. 20% is allocated to profit sharing bonuses with 20, 10% going to employees and 10% going to the board, according to the company. Uh, some employees told Bloomberg they'll receive profit sharing bonuses of around 5,000 to about 9,000. While other senior employees said they will get closer to fifteen thousand or twenty thousand dollars, so I kind of want to stop there. You'll not know what kind of bonuses you get from work, but that's certainly a lot more than I am making. That's a lot of money. That's a lot. That's a huge bonus. Yes. Uh, Jason continues. Managers and directors will likely receive much higher bonuses. In a statement, CD Projekt spokesperson said that the company has allocated a total of 29.8 million to 865 employees for an average of about $34,000 each. Uh, in parentheses, staff also received separate smaller performance bonuses earlier this year. In contrast, just five of CD Projekt's board members received bonuses totaling $28 million. So roughly the same amount of money that the 865 employees get is is being split across five board members. So uh, 865 people get split 29.8 million, while five board members get split split 28 million. And again, I understand in the society we live in that the people at the top get more money. They get larger bonuses. They give themselves larger bonuses. I, I get it. But in light of the launch of this game... And how badly it was botched and how that decision came from the top. And you had developers of the game saying, we need to delay this. 
what the fuck? Why are these people giving themselves huge bonuses? Like, yes, it, it, it all things considered, I'm sorry to cut you off, Yield, because I, I could hear you breathing in to, to start. Yeah. But I understand that technically they made a lot of money. The, you know, they, their, their revenue, like the, the money they made off of the game was, or uh, it was like an astounding amount. They sold a, a lot of copies of the game. But how can you ignore the fact that you completely fucked that launch? That you deceived so many people into buying that game. I, I don't have any interest for that. The only thing I can say is that they must have had a really good contract written that, you know, we do this well, I get this much percentage. And well, it's just that, I, that, I guess all the all the pre orders did it for that game, but yeah, they need to. Uh, I hopefully they're smart enough to invest some of that money back into making the game the way it should have been. I, I mean, well, to be fair, they have been releasing numerous patches and seemingly investing in, you know, getting the Xbox Series X and S versions out, as well as the PS5 version, while also working to improve the PS4 or the PS4 version, as well as the Xbox One version, and working to get it back on the PlayStation Store. But I mean, like, one of the things that I had hoped to see from this whole kerfluffle again is that there would be some accountability on top and just saying we'll do better and giving yourself a huge bonus even though the game sold well, really well. I mean, you know, we talked about last week. They they saw returns like we, we you know, the, the figure, you know, that was estimated for the number of returns that they had to account for was 180,000 versus, you know, 13, I think, 0.7 million in sales. So... A drop in the bucket, but you would like to see a little bit more accountability instead of just giving yourself a big fat raise after a terrible decision. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm still so I'm, maybe I'm still too hot about this, and maybe I should just give it up. But uh, yield, I think you, when it comes to their you, you, you fucked up. Here's six. Here's six million dollars. More like we fucked up. But hey, I'll just give myself six point three million dollars. It, it, I, I should say yield that when you're talking earlier, this, I guess, this bonus plan is for every game or just every like every year based on how much money they make every year. So it wasn't, I guess, specifically drawn up for Cyberpunk. It was basically at the end of their annual, their, with their annual report, they just figure all their bonuses based on this tier they always use. So this is what it's, it's figured in every year. Well, yeah, but Cyberpunk was the, you know, main reason that they got the huge bonus, so... Oh, I mean, yes, that's let, true, let, because... Let, let, you know, let, 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 let's call it what it is. It's bullshit? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Those those people do not deserve $6.3 million or $4.7 or $4.2 million or whatever they were getting. Um, those five board members, however much they were splitting and how much they got, whether it was $6.3 million or $4.2 million, they did not fucking deserve it. And... For all the bullshit that the members, the members that, you know what, they should have said, you know what, we may, because I'm, I'm sure their annual salaries are insane. They ought to say, they should have said, we fucked up and we're going to give all of the bonuses to our employees. That's what they should have done. Instead of giving it themselves, but greedy fucks. Um, but yeah, moving from a game that I would never recommend to anybody to a game I can feel much better about talking about, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart which was a huge part of Sony's latest state of play, which happened 
was it last Thursday yield? We were talking about it right before we played yes. Rocket League. Yes. So yield. Before I get a little bit into this, you know, you watched the state of play. You said you missed about five minutes. So, you know, considering it was, you know, I think around 22, 25 minutes total, Ratchet and Clank ate up a good portion of that show. What was, based on what you saw, what were your kind of overall impressions? So I was, I was curious as to how the whole rift thing, because they kind of showed you, you know, about how you could jump through rifts. And I'm like, well... How's that going to work? You know, I was curious. Well, they showed you gameplay. So they actually showed you being able to, you know, you had you had like a rift tether, and you could tether it, and then it would pull you to it or pull the rift to you. And I was like, oh, okay, now it doesn't seem so, you know, to me, so confusing. You know, once I, once I watch it, uh, it looked like your typical Ratchet and Clank game, you know. I mean, I was glad to see Nefarious in there because Nefarious is an awesome bad guy. Yeah. So the the hopefully did they show anything of Lawrence? I've seen trailers with with Doctor Nefarious in there, and he's no. When I saw no, the, when we, I saw we, in when I saw Nefarious in the trailer, he had a pretty gnarly gun with him. So he seems like he's bringing the heavy artillery. No, no, it was just uh, you saw what you probably saw. Nefarious was basically about it. It mainly focused on Ratchet, Clank, and then the uh, I can't remember her name, but uh, oh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. Yes, her I name think is Rivet. I think it was Rivet. Her name is Rivet. So it yeah, so it just mainly focused on those three, and they threw out Nefarious, and then that was basically it. And then we went into gameplay. You know, you know there they they've changed some of it up a little bit. You're able to uh, wall run in certain spots. So that was kind of a, a new gimmick. I should gimmick. That's probably not the way word to use. A new kind of gameplay that you or ability that you now have in Ratchet and Clank, which I which I watching him do it, it felt natural. It felt like a good progression of the game, not something that would feel clunky. It was like, oh, the way they were doing it, it was like, okay, this makes sense. Well, I mean, they had wall running introduced in Crash Four, and. You know, if Crash can do it, I would think by now that Ratchet and Clank could do it. Makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, being a very technology-based game, or a very technology-heavy universe, Ratchet and Clank, like, big old guns, big explosions, and yeah, sure, why can't I wall jump or wall run? But, so, I mean, it's, it seems like you were pretty impressed by what you saw from the demo, or from the game. I, I was, I mean, I mean, I was buying it anyway. But if you had any, if you were on the fence about it, I'm pretty sure this swayed you one way or the other. Yeah, and well, so I don't know what more to say. I I didn't watch the gameplay showcase because, quite frankly, at this point, if there's a Ratchet and Clank, Ratchet and Clank game coming out, I'm going to buy it. I know exactly what Ratchet and Clank is all about. I mean, really, it's going to be... Beautiful galactic settings, big old guns, huge enemies, you know, funny interactions between the characters, great writing. I mean, honestly, it's going to be a visually stunning game. What more do I need to know? Although one other very positive thing you could say about this game, and this comes from an article from on IGN written by Joe Screbbles. The headline is Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart State of Play coming this week and new protagonist gets a name. 
Uh, quote from that article from Joe, on top of all that, and we'll get into all that in a moment, Insomniac also announced that Mark Mothersbaugh, lead singer of Devo and composer of Thor Ragnarok, the Lego movie, and multiple games including the Crash Bandicoot and Jack, Jack and Daxter series, has composed the score for Rift Apart. So that's pretty badass, right, Yield? Absolutely. Uh, nothing, nothing but positives here. You talked about the the other rivet, who what is which is the name of the female protagonist that we've seen in the trailers. Which that's a, you know we got a lot of R's going on here. We got you know rift apart, ratchet and clank. We got rivet, and, you know rift, uh, ratchet and rivet. You know the whole mechanic nuts and bolts kind of undertones to everything to ratchet and clank. The fact that you know you meet Ratchet, and Clank, you meet Ratchet. He ha- you know he's got his little buddy Clank, who's a little robot. And the first time they meet, it you know Ratchet has his own little garage where he's working on a speeder. Uh, the fact that his main weapon or his you know his melee weapon is a Ratchet, just kind of the whole mechanic theme to it, uh, and the alliteration with Ratchet and Rivet. I don't know. It's a very very cute play out there between the two characters. I mean, uh, could honestly Yield could not have picked a better name for Rivet. Oh no, they. they did an excellent job. I actually chuckled when I heard the name. I'm like, that's actually perfect. And, you know, it's nice to see another Lombax, one that, you know, doesn't turn evil on you. If you've made it to the end of A Crack in Time, you'll you'll know the pain of that all too well. But, yes. Uh, it- well, and, and like and like I said, when they first released the, the trailer for this, I was like, maybe now we'll get the trilogy that finishes Ratchet storyline. Yeah. Well, I mean, for so long, we thought that Ratchet was the only Lombax, not only in town, but also in the universe. But then we, we've we seen, you know, other Lombaxes in the past, as well as now Rivet being the newest one among that line. So was Ta- Talwin, was she a, uh, a Lombax? No, I don't think so. I have to, okay, I'll have to look her up. And then what was the name of the Lombax in the evil Lombax, the, the good to evil Lombax in A Crack in Time? I can't remember. Oh, if not, I can picture him, but I can't think of his name because he he uh, he knew his Ratchet's dad. Boss uh, Azimuth. There you go. Is it who? That sounds about right, or along those lines. Alistair Azimuth. Okay, that's what I thought it was. So yeah, uh, nice to see a good Lombax on your side after Alistair Azimuth leaving a, a bad taste in all of our mouths. So. Uh, we've got a, a great new protagonist with a cool name that fits really well within the Ratchet and Clank universe. We've got Mark Mothersbaugh on board. We only have to wait till June 11th to get Ratchet and Clank. A uh, couple of other notes from the from the article by Joe, just a cool other things. Uh, the trailer shows off uh, the new nefarious city location, as well as alternate dimension twists on existing Ratchet and Clank locations, Sargasso and Torin 4. If you don't remember Sargasso, that was a really cool planet, I think, in Tools of Destruction that had, with, like, dinosaurs walking around. So I'm excited to see what the alternate dimension twist to that one is. And who knows, maybe we'll get more, uh, we'll be able to visit more older locations with a twist than just those two. But yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to see that Nefarious is back, and being able to go to a place like Nefarious City and just seeing what that's all about. Because, you know, we got worlds like you know, Metropolis, which is like a bustling, you know, galactic city, but almost like an evil version of that, I guess, in Nefarious City. I don't know. I'm that that, that would be my take on it. I, I'm 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 excited to see 
what nefarious city is is like and all the, all the kind of traps that await you there. Uh, if you're looking to buy the digital deluxe edition, they uh, Sony has outlined what will be available in that. Uh, you get five suits of armor as part of this. Those include the android armor, the rebel armor, the imperial armor, the hacker armor, and the scavenger armor. They all look really cool. So uh, I, obviously I can't really describe them that well to you. But uh, you, they there are pictures of them online if you're looking. Um, the collection also includes... Uh, so the digital Alex edition includes the five suits of armor, a photo mode sticker pack, 20 rare tanium, which be an in-game item just you know you get little little head start there a digital soundtrack a digital art book and then of course the the full game so yeah for for a digital deluxe edition i'm not sure exactly how much that is but they got some pretty cool stuff in there and the armor sets look pretty badass shield i don't know if you're you're looking at these right now but yeah i was i i was looking to see if there was any other kind of of collector's edition and that's the only one but yeah so we we're getting more information on ratchet and clank here we pretty much set for the june 11th release date for the game we have the details on the digital deluxe edition we know that mark mother's ball has signed on to the project we've got we know that the female lombax rivet we know we now know her name we've seen you know video of dr nefarious making his comeback and you know i never thought about it but i guess his butler lawrence i can't remember or not but maybe lawrence kind of kicked him to the curb after having to deal with nefarious dr nefarious not being the easiest person to deal with i I would assume that lawrence at some point along the line, said, fuck you, I'm out of here, I'm not dealing with you anymore. But there was always great interplay between Lawrence and Nefer- Dr. Nefarious. Yeah, so. Lawrence has got to come back in some way, shape, or form, because Lawrence you, is amazing. You would hope you would see him at some point, but uh, I'm just... Lawrence! I'm just, I'm glad to uh, to see that Dr. Nefarious is back, because he is, he is the best villain ever, and it's not even close in the Ratchet & Clank series. One of my favorite villains of all time. I concur. So yeah, so that that is, along with Eternal, that is going to be another game that I'm going to buy right away when I get my PlayStation 5. I'll probably, on the same day that I buy my PlayStation 5, be like, give me Returnal and give me Ratchet & Clank, please. And we know, of course, as you said, that you are signed on for Ratchet & Clank. Have you... Oh, absolutely. Are you fully caught up on all of your Ratchet & Clanking? Their yields? Yes. You've beaten all the games? I've been... Well, I've beaten all the ones that I could get a hold of. Let's put it that way. I mean, I've beaten... I beat the, the original three. I beat the PlayStation... Threes, well, was it three or four? Because I even beat Full Frontal Assault. I've got all for one. I beat the video game based on the get movie based on the game, which was the uh, PS4 game, which was the PS4 game. So I've I've gotten if I'm missing if I'm missing any, I might be one. But story story wise, I'm caught up. All right, well, Ratchet & Clank, even though it ate up a significant chunk of the latest state of play, there was other news to come out of the show. One, that Among Us will be coming to PlayStation 4 and 5 this year. And, you know, very clever, Sony, I see what you did here. They announced that there will be Ratchet & Clank uh, costumes, or I guess skins, as part of the release for the PlayStation 5 version, or PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 version of Among Us coming out later this year. Nice, nice little job bundling, you know, the base, basically the kind of big party before Ratchet and Clank's release. And you're like, hey, by the way, Among Us is coming, and you're going to get some Ratchet and Clank stuff with that. Very, very cool marketing there, Sony. The other big announcement, though, or one of the other big announcements was there is an, a sequel to Subnautica, which, hey, 
Sony releasing that for free as part of the play at home promotion. Oh, hey, by the way, maybe, you know, maybe a few weeks later after you've been able to play that game. Oh, hey, stay to play. Oh, hey, brand new, all all new Subnautica is coming out. Uh, call, the sequel called Subnautica Below Zero. And they showed off gameplay at the state of play. Did you see gameplay of this yield or was that in the five minutes you missed? That must have been the five minutes that I missed because I did not see that. I saw the trailer afterwards, but I did not see it during the state of play. All right. Which, which it does look very intriguing because it, it looks even better than Subnautica. And just from the trailer. And I will say that the artwork for the game shows off some pretty gnarly monsters. So it looks like you're going to have to go through a lot to survive here in the world of Subnautica Below Zero. I'm going to read some from a post on the PlayStation blog written by Donya Abramo, the community manager of Unknown Worlds. The sequel, uh, quote, the sequel to award-winning Subnautica Below Zero plunges even the bravest of explorers into an underwater world filled with all new and vast biomes to explore and mysterious and unfamiliar creatures lurking in the depths of the planet. As you continue to investigate the mysterious circumstances that brought you to planet side, you'll be challenged to survive in the harsh Arctic conditions as well as avoid the looming threat of discovery by Altera, who have been all but, aban- all but abandoned 465-4546B in their haste to, uh, to evacuate. And uh, that refers to the planet. It's planet 4546B. Quote, with all the new tools and vehicles to craft and lovingly crafted biomes to marvel at, Below Zero provides a unique spin on the familiar setting of Subnautica's unforgiving planet. Players can look forward to added cold mechanics to explore, creatures great and small to discover, and in some cases, avoid. And far, far more the lore of the Subnautica universe to uncover. As announced during State of Play, we've been hard at work utilizing the PS5 DualSense controller for Below Zero. With the haptic feedback system, you'll receive visual and audio cues linked to game, key game moments or when you're using tools and vehicles. We're excited for you to try Below Zero with the, addition, with the additional int- integration, which has enhanced some already terrifying, intense moments. We've also heard all your queries and questions about the upgrade path for players who already uh, own the first Subnautica on PS4. We're pleased to confirm that if you own a physical or digital edition of the game, you can upgrade to the digital PS5 version at no additional cost. Similarly, those who purchase Below Zero on PS4 will be able to upgrade on to the PS5 version for free. Alright, so I guess, is this game, has this game already been released? Below Zero? No. Comes out on both platforms May 14th. So here in two weeks. Well, actually, a week from when you hear this. Well, that's some that's some very nice spacing in between Ratchet and Clank. We get Ratchet and Clank ripped apart on June 11th. And then, you know, into, uh, a little bit earlier in May, we get Subnautica Below Zero. Subnautica. Uh, I gotta say that generally ice and snow worlds are people's least favorite in games. But, I don't know. I'm willing to give it a try here, Yield. I, I, you know, in a survival game... What more awful place can you think to try to survive than in a freezing cold, frozen wasteland with giant monsters? I know. And, and what I was really excited to hear was they're saying whether you own the disc version or the digital version, you can upgrade to the five version for free. So that's awesome because we just got the digital version for free for plus for part of the play at home. So I'll have. If, if I don't get to it on the 4, I might just hold off and just upgrade it on the 5, and, and there's another game I got. 
Look, we're we're starting to pile up games for the PS5 to play right away, Yield. I don't know if we can handle all this. We might as well play this while we can. Hey, backlog to the backlog that we haven't even started backlogging yet. So, Yield, you know, despite my PSAs and reminding people, and being on a show about reminding people, hey, download your free shit, I forgot to download Subnautica when it was free for the Play at Home promotion. Oh, no, you did? I'm a real moron. Yield. Yeah, oh, dude. Did you did you download it and have you played any of it? I I've I had played. Uh, my niece and my nephew both have a copy of it, and I've borrowed my nieces once and played it a little bit. And that I I enjoy I enjoyed what I played, but the problem with the game was, in, in my opinion, I'm used to missions. Okay, go do this, go do that. They literally drop you at the deep end of the ocean and go, this button does this, this button does that. You know, they, they walk you through a, a basic tutorial, create water to live, find food to keep, you know, your stamina up, and here you go. So I'm assuming that these <laughs> games don't have a ton of, like, explicit story. Like, they're not slapping you in the face with, with you know, dialogue like they would in, say, The Last of Us. No. No, I'm sure that there's a story to it as you go along and you find certain things or you're able to get into your ship because your ship, you're outside the ship in like a life pod and then your ship's in the distance that you can go to and scavenge stuff off before it sinks into the ocean. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Fucking swim. Find, uh, yeah, find dry I, land. I, I guess. So, so th th that was the only trouble that I had with the game is because I'm just so used to mission-based or task-based that, I mean, they literally drop you off and there you go. To be, Have fun. To be fair, Yield, you recently got done playing Spirit of the North and that pretty much was the same premise. Like, you were a, a wolf and you just were in this open snowy field and it kind of pointed your view to a mountain or like a, a red streak in the sky in the distance and it was like, just go, go. So it's kind of the yeah, but you still you still knew that you kind of had to. Well, I get you. You knew you had to get to the end of the end, end of the level and make your way to the mountain, where this just seems like a giant open world with no initial map. Like I said, I wasn't upset by it. I was just I was trying to figure out okay, how do how should I play this? It, it was just outside of my norm. But I I want to go back and play it again because it just. It looked so good. Well, yield the, you know the visuals and being underwater and the the, the creatures they they've done a really good job. Well, yield, I'm sure that your experience and your struggles and even any of them that you've had with the first game will only make things easier for you when Below Zero comes out. I sure hope so because that looked really fun. And look, we spent a lot of time this episode talking about Returnal. And Ratchet and Clank and all the big new games coming out for Sony. And this is kind of a follow-up to our topic of the last week. This is going to be the last story we talk about. Look, I know. We already read Jim Ryan's spiel from last week, the CEO of, of SIE. But let's put a few numbers behind it. Because when he says, hey, we're, you know, we're going to put out more exclusives, blah, 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 for the PS5 than any other console. You know, let's get, let's get some numbers behind that. Let's see how much, how dedicated they are to... to keeping that promise that Jim Ryan has thrown out there. 
This article is written by Joe Scrabbles, our second article by Joe Scrabbles, Tricky's favorite imaginary person. Uh, the title is Sony to aggressively invest in first-party studios and third-party exclusives. So, quote, speaking during today's Sony earnings call, Sony CFO Hiroki Totoki explained that the company wants to enhance its exclusive offerings and will do so in two ways. We intend to continue investing in partnering with external studios in addition to aggressively investing in our in-house studios. Totoki pointed specifically to the company's partnership with Assassin's Creed creator Jade Raymond's new studio Haven, which will create a new PlayStation IP as its first game. After announcing a new multiplayer game from X-Destiny and Halo developers that uh, Firewalk Studios, the multiplayer IP that we talked about last week. Uh, Scribbles continues, it looks like as though we may see more exclusive partnerships popping up over time. So Sony is putting this out there and it seems like, it, you know, at least now with their partnership with Firewalk and with Haven and, you know, them promoting, you know, Subnautica and its sequel that, and, you know, of course, getting behind so so heavily behind Housemark, it seems like Sony is indeed investing in third party partnerships as well as you know their their own owned IP. Um, but let's again, like I said, let's let's put a, a dollar figure behind this because that that'll help put us into perspective into how much they're actually investing. Uh, quote from the article: In terms of Sony's own PlayStation Studios group, Toki made clear that it would be hugely increasing the amount of money given to first-party developers on top of what it already spends. We plan to increase development personnel and other costs in our in-house studios by approximately 183 million USD year-on-year as we further strengthen our in-house software. The CFO revealed. So, uh, on top of what? That's a lot of money. I mean, for Sony, I mean, that's like, that's almost like an entire game right there. Like an entire AAA game, 183 million. And, you know, on t- they said them saying on top of what they already spent, you know, granted, we've seen, you know, layoffs all the time in the game industry and, you know, hardship here and there. Sony here is investing. It seems like a good, like good to work for Sony right now because they're investing heavily in their, their first party studios. I, I said that now as I remember that they closed their Sony Japan studio not long ago, but um, it, uh, hopefully all those people were able to find jobs and everything within Sony or, you know, within the game company. But hopefully this renewed focus and this push to to invest more in their first party studios continues and they obviously don't, you know, pull another Sony Japan and have to close any more studios. They actually, you know, um, want to invest in what they the exclusives that they can do for their brand because obviously microsoft they're all about you know as crazy as that i think it is is to not make everything that bethesda makes exclusive to xbox consoles and pc uh sony you know that's xbox strategy that they're you know some of that stuff's going to go multi-platform and seemingly they are just worried about their systems and their infrastructure and you know they want to have some exclusives yes but they also want to get their stuff on any anywhere and everywhere they can where sony is like we have crafted this premium console. We have put a, sunk a ton of money into these AAA games. We want to make sure that you want to play these games on this console. You know, um, we want to make sure that you want to buy this console because there are these great games to play. So kudos to Sony for not only investing in their first party studios, but also, you know, looking for smaller partnerships they can do to make exclusives for their console. Because, you know, obviously exclusive games don't always need to be something like a Horizon Zero Dawn. It can be something like a Resogun, which, you know, uh, uh, oh, um, 
Oh God, what's his name? What's oh oh Yoshida? Um, Shuhei Yoshida. Uh, we would uh, he you know he had called out in the early days of the PS4 until dawn and and Resogun is great exclusives for the console. So you don't always have to have these big AAA games to give people exclusives to play for your console. So you got a good mix of whatever Firewalk's doing. You got something like, you know, in the past with like Resogun, you got, and then you got your big games like Returnal. So there can be a good mix there and, you know, to make your console appealing to more and more people. Okay. Oh, oh one other thing I wanted to say is that this, that, that dollar figure we we're talking about, that wasn't just for their, that was, that wasn't including their third party deals. That's just their first party stuff. So I'm assuming that 183 does not include, you know, the stuff with Haven or Firewalk. So they're even spending even more money for exclusives. Wow. So sealed. That, yeah, so that's a lot of money. Look, we read Jim Ryan's stuff last week, and now this week we've heard what Totoki had to say. Like, overall, as someone who hasn't yet bought a PlayStation 5, but plans to in the future, like, what is your overall view of what, like, their business strategy for the PlayStation 5 in regards to games? Because, you know, obviously these video game consoles can do more and more these days, but we had Donnie on last week, and he's like, hey, just, I bought this console to play games. What do you think of their their current game strategy and how, how well that's playing out? Uh, it sounds good. Uh, like I've said before, we'll just have to kind of, kind of do the wait and see because, um, you know, we've all, we've already heard the behind, kind of the behind the scenes thing with Days Gone 2 and a lot of Ben Studio employees leaving. So we're just going to have to wait and see what actually comes out. I mean, the article did say something about, um, that... Sony seems to be jumping on board with more social elements of games like Fortnite, which, I mean, you know, that immediately is a downturn for me. So, I... Well, Eels... sounds good. It, the good thing about... It sounds good. I, I hope we get more exclusives. But at the same time, I'm just going to be cautiously optimistic. Well, here's the thing. What you're probably talking about, you're referring to Fortnite, is Aloy is, a, is playable in Fortnite, correct? That's what you're referring to? I don't know. It just said I was just reading, you know, kind of what they thought from the comments above. So uh, okay, all right. Well, here I'll, I'll for the for the listeners, I'll read what you were kind of kind of going into. Uh, this from the article quote. Totoki added a note about the company's multiple investments in Fortnite and Unreal Engine creator Epic Games, which is aiming to create a metaverse in the gaming space. In our additional investment of Epic Games explained Totoki, along with the rest of the Sony group, we will work to enhance the social and uh, platform capabilities of games. It doesn't give much away, but it does seem as, uh, end quote, uh, and this is Joe Scrabble's picking back up, that doesn't give much away, but it, it seems Sony wants to jump on board the more social elements of games like Fortnite. Okay, so adding Aloy into Fortnite is a really good idea, whether we like Fortnite or we play Fortnite or not, because... The amount of people that... It's more exposure. Yeah, I mean, the amount of people that play Fortnite, you think of that that many people, if you can bring those people into the Horizon universe, I mean, my God, why wouldn't you do that? We live in a world where everything is increasingly social and increasingly tied together. So Sony and Microsoft and even Nintendo getting more social uh, to varying degrees, of course, that's expected. I mean, you... 
I don't necessarily want if Sony wants to make a game like Fortnite or something like that, then I, I pr- I'm not going to play it. But hey, if you think you can make money there that you can then put back into the company and into the other games you make, go for it. But as far as like uh, investing in, you know, because, uh, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, like the article mentions platform capabilities. So Fortnite is a platform much like Rocket League where they have seasons. So would you be against a not necessarily a Fortnite clone but like a platform uh within the P- a platform within a platform a platform with on the PlayStation 4 that was just a game universe that they would constantly add to like a Rocket League like hey we have a season of this i mean i guess destruction all-stars might kind of be that already you know honestly I, i'm never going to i'm not going to say no it really just depends on the game and how how, how, what it does, you know, I mean, I, I, like I said, I've, re- I originally was going to pass on Rocket League until I gave it a try. I was like, oh, wow, this is really fun. So it just, it Well, that was also, that was also on, way before that ever became a platform. It was just a game at that point. Yeah. So I, it really just depends on the game, really. So I like overall I like Sony's strategy. I think that they've had a good number of really strong exclusives so far, and that better than other console generations. Like there were some console generations where people were waiting a long, long time to get another game to play, especially at the start. You think of the PS3, you know, from Resistance, uh, and you know, to I think even Motorstorm, or you know, even with the disappointments that people had with Lair and Heavenly Sword, having to wait till Ratchet and Clank, I think which came out the following September, like maybe a year after the PlayStation 3 released. But, you know, if you weren't down for multiplayer Warhawk, I mean, it was a long time to get a game on the PS3 that you really wanted to play after the launch of Resistance Fall of Man. I think what they've done really well with the PS5 is that they've have, they did a good job of planning and they have had far more games that people wanted to play and had a really strong lineup of games so far. Returnal, of course, adding to that, and no doubt Ratchet and Clank will be another piece to that puzzle. The one thing that I would worry about in light of them closing Sony Japan and, you know, and I don't think the whole Sony Ben thing in Days Gone 2, I don't think that's their fault. I think they invested in that game and just it didn't get the financial return. And again, I don't think that's Sony's fault because they put that game out there. I mean, you got to see that game. They marketed it. It wasn't like they hit it in a corner and, and tried to keep it away from the world. The game just didn't sell as well as they wanted. And if Sony's like, hey, we're not making a second one of these because... It didn't do as well. I, I would hope that they wouldn't do. They wouldn't look at something like, "Oh, well, it didn't do as well as Last of Us Part Two, or it didn't do as well as Uncharted." Like, I wouldn't want them to compare it to other games. But if they truly, you know, didn't make enough money off that game compared to the, the cost of marketing and you know the cost of development, then I can understand why they wouldn't want to make it. As far as people, you know, at, at Sony Ben not being happy about not making, to, not wanting to make Days Gone Two, you know, even though they wanted to. I mean, again, some games hit, some games don't. And unfortunately, for Sony Ben, Days Gone was one of those games that just didn't hit. Um, but, I, I, you know, the one caution that I would have is that Sony investing so much money, yes, it's good to invest within exclusives and, you know, make third-party partnerships and, and you know, cultivate those, those good relationships. And someday, you, some of these people like Firewalk or Haven might be another housemark where housemark has a really, really good relationship with Sony even though they're not officially part of Sony uh, or something like Insomniac Games where they had for the longest time a really, really good relationship with Insomniac. And I think the only game Insomniac made that was not 
on a Sony console was Sunset Overdrive, which was exclusive to the Xbox 360. With a 360 or one, I can't remember, but it was exclu- it was not on the on it was a a deal they made with Microsoft. But then later on, you know, after years and years, and no one ever thinking it would happen, Sony bought Insomniac Games. So I think cultivating these relationships is very important. Investing within your employees, your own owned IP, is extremely important. So I think they've got a good strategy. I just don't crazy overspend on partnerships because the when you overspend and you miss your mark. Video games are big money, and a lot of these triple game, triple A games, triple A games, we've seen it. They can sink a studio overnight if they don't hit like they should. So, just be careful. You know, cultivate partnerships. That's always good. Having exclusives that people want to play will only bolster the sales for your console. But just, just don't overspend. Don't try to overstep your territory because we've we've seen way too many, too much overspending and overprojecting and and studio closures in the video game console for people to be spending wildly. So that that's the only thing I would worry about. But as far as their game strategy so far and what they've released, I'm impressed by what Sony has for the PlayStation 5. They've done a really good job. They have. Like I said, I, I think the couple of the other games that they announced and then later came out and said, oh, they're going to be both 4 and 5, they could have been more for the 5 to drive up 5 sales, but the lack of consoles is driving up 5 sales. So... All right, Yield. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of this show, episode 478. We didn't get any listener questions this week, so how about we just jump into uh, some shout-outs, Yield? Want to do that and then get All out right. of here? Go Let's go finish it. off our night with some video games? Oh, absolutely. So, as uh, always, shout-out to Alex uh, for recording tonight. Uh, shout-out to Alex and Gareth for rocket league thursdays oh yield i did want to mention to you did you go back and see because it looks like we had nine overall wins on thursday so i think some of those wins they didn't give us credit for right away the servers caught up so you should have gotten your uh been able to collect your two mvps oh well that's good oh so um something kind of cool uh that after we were done playing i was opening up some of my uh random loot balls whatever you want to call them and uh, I got the Fennec body style, which, if you're not familiar with it, is basically the uh, SUV. Okay, nice. Which, so, And that was one of the ones I'd been wanting to get. So now the only body style that I know that I want to get is that, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but the Dominus one, the one that you have that's got the blower out the hood. Kind of like a GTO? Yeah. Kinda like a muscle car? Or... or, or yeah, or the Mad Max blower out the hood. So I was like, well, that, that, so wait, I, I "That's was, exhaust, right? Or ventilation of some sort?" I'm not. I'm not a car person. It's it's carburetor. It's a it's a blower. Okay. Well, we've 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 learned here on those on or listeners. You have learned that I'm a dumbass when it comes to car, which is why I don't work on my own car. But yes, that. So um, I almost bought. They had one in the store a couple of weeks ago for 700 credits. It was a white one and. So basically it had permanent white trim in certain spots of the car. And I almost bought it because it looked cool, but I've always wanted that. I, I missed that rocket pass because the only thing good during that season was that body style. I really didn't like anything else that they were giving out, so I didn't buy into it. Anyway, I got it for free. So I'm going to give it a whirl next thir- this coming Thursday to see if I can adapt to it before I go back to the Tyreno 
to finish out the rest of season three. But I was kind of stoked. I was like, oh, cool. I wanted that body style. Anyway, so uh, back to my shout outs. Uh, a shout out to Departed570. Sent me a friend request on the PSN. Said he loves the show. So really glad that you're listening and enjoying what we're doing or what we're talking about. Uh, as always, shout out to the Pimps in the Mountains of the Hordom. Thank you for downloading, listening, interacting. Uh, shout out to a early shout out to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day, because when you hear this, this that coming Sunday is Mother's Day. Uh, and that'll do me this week. All right, and I want to give a shout-out first and foremost to the listeners, the fuel to the fire that is Trophy Horse. Thank you all very much for continuing to support us every single week, whether you stop by our streams to watch us on Twitch on Thursdays when we play Rocket League, or you download the show, uh, or you you know you go to the website to listen to the show, you download it. However you download it, um, we definitely appreciate you guys because you are the only reason the show is still here and continuing to march towards 500 episodes. So thank you all again for always being fans and always uh, showing us your support. I want to give a shout out to Yield for recording tonight and also for our Rocket League Thursday excursion. A big shout out to Gareth, who we recorded, recruited to help us fill our three-man team. And, you know, like I said, we went undefeated with, when Gareth was there. It's just Yield and I kind of fell apart a little bit in the, two, the two-man the two crew. But uh, big shout out to Gareth, who's just a stud at Rocket League. Rocket League. We, we were reading off some stats this week and the amount of, like, time he had played that game was fucking incredible so yeah um yeah he's he's also a lot better. also right before we started our stream i was shooting the breeze with gareth and gareth is a professional athlete so or gareth for a while was a, a professional athlete and he does he still does professional stuff but uh if you ever get a chance to ask him about his his professional sports career do it because it's i can't do it justice here maybe we'll have to have him on the show sometime to talk about it but uh guy's a beast so that's all I'll say. Good in the athletic sense in video games, but also good at athletics in real life. So shout out to Gareth. Also want to give a shout out to Homer for sharing the May monthly PS Plus games on the Trophy Horse Facebook chat. And also give a shout out to Homer, his his family, uh, Homer and his wife. They uh, they lost, as I said on stream this past week, they lost one of their cats. They had to put Cheddar down, unfortunately, this past week, which... For an animal lover like myself, like I like I said, when I read that message, it hurt my heart. Like I, I'm an animal lover. I've got two cats myself. I've got a dog. I I think I speak for anyone who owns a pet when they say they dread that day. So, um, uh, it sucks. Uh, a shout out to Homer and his wife, and uh, a, a a fond farewell. Or not, I, I don't I don't want to say a fond farewell, but a farewell, um, a sad farewell. Um, but um, a glad a glad to uh, to know you to Cheddar. Um, their cat. He was. He was. I think on every stream for Rocket League. He was. He was sitting there by Homer. So yeah, he was pretty much every there. He, Cheddar was a Rocket League fan, and uh, Cheddar was always there to support the Brothers of Destruction. So, uh, Cheddar, you will be very much missed by by the Brothers of Destruction, and of course, more importantly, by uh, your mom and dad. Um, but yeah, that hurt my heart, and I just wanted to give a little special shout out to Cheddar here on the show. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my loving and awesome girlfriend Ashley. Who uh, who's been playing some Pokemon Snap with me? Uh, had a few complaints about the game. She she thinks it's a little boring. Uh, I think she was kind of hoping that it was more of a free roam thing instead of like you were stuck in a cart on a a predetermined path taking taking photos. But uh, she's out there 
playing a little bit of Spirit Fair, which is a game she's really gotten into uh, in the past few months. I uh, hadn't had a lot of time to play it recently because of school and work, but I'm glad she's jumping back in because it's a game she really loved, and I definitely want to see her finish it. So I love you, honey. And yeah, my last shout out goes to you. So that is going to bring us to the end of episode 478. If I can do a little bit of a preview for next week, we will have Levi on next week, 479, for our monthly update on the Be Legit scores. We can see, uh, get an update again on all the scores, but also see who's going to come out on top. If Ponder Stibbins could in any way close the gap on Corey in his Titanic lead in the competition. But yeah, so we hope to have Tricky back next week, but if not, there will definitely be a three-man show with our guest Levi, and we will hear all the latest and greatest from the universe of Be Legit. But that is going to be the end for this week. As always, thank you for listening, and until next week, happy trophy hunting. Later. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.